guys, Evan from Jimaware. We're really happy to be supporting Coach Tomato's podcast series once again. For those that don't know, our main product is Jimaware. It's the gold standard for measuring performance and implementing velocity-based training in the weight room. It excels in busy team training environments, and for many coaches, it's the Swiss Army knife of their toolkit. The Jimaware is used for athlete profiling, jump testing, fatigue monitoring, and for listing within velocity zones. The system provides real-time feedback on individual targets, plus it's got an impressive range of leaderboards. Now, for those that are after a VBT device that's affordable, for the individual and for smaller groups, we recently released our new laser-based product, Flex. Importantly, it's been independently validated and proven to be both accurate and reliable. So if you're interested in either product, or you wanna learn more about the velocity-based training and how it can help you as a coach, Check out our website or contact us directly. So in the meantime, we trust you enjoy the Coach DeMayo's podcast, Outside the Rack. The world of strength and conditioning is filled with some fantastic practitioners that are always searching for more. But more what? What are strength and conditioning coaches searching for to better their ability to prepare their athletes? Well, what about cutting edge information? Or a place where you can find different opinions from forward-thinking coaches on what you're doing, how you're doing, and try to get feedback to be better for your athletes? Or what about a place where you'll find like-minded coaches that can provide solid coaching advice and career development for you as you progress through your career as a strength and conditioning professional? Well, this is exactly why we built the Strength Coach Network. You'll have access to exclusive monthly content on top of the sensationally active forum that we have where you can communicate with coaches all over the world to find those answers that you're looking for to help you be a better practitioner for your athletes. So make sure you hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS, that's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS, and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the 58th episode of Outside the Rack, brought to you by Kinetic Performance, the makers of GymAware. In this show, we're just going to try to dive a little deeper into the top minds of the best practitioners in the world of sport performance. We're going to try to learn a little bit more about who they actually are and how they got to where they are today. Today, we are joined by the Assistant Athletic Director for Sport Performance at East Tennessee State University and hip-hop aficionado. Dr. Brad DeWeese. Doc, thanks for being with us, buddy. You're the man. I mean, anytime I can be with you, I'm it's excited. I'm, I'm happy to see you again, man. I'm glad, you know, we get a little bit of time here when both of us are kind of getting flushed in between meetings and going crazy in this world that seems to be upside down and inside out right now. But before we get going too far, Doc, who is Brad DeWeese? I... <laughs> I don't know. I feel like uh, Brad Deweese is a is a babysitter, a negotiator. Uh, yeah, a hip hop fan when I've got three seconds, and then yeah, former coach. Uh, I mean, I'm still coaching, but yeah, it's really interesting taking on this administration role. Uh, definitely a new challenges, especially because of the new world we live in with COVID and regulations and, and trying to keep athletes on the field and coaches happy. I mean, it's definitely a, a game changer. And, and so that's kind of who I am at the moment, uh, 90% of the time. Yeah. I think that all of this has ended out 
bringing a lot of us just some unique perspective as to not just what we do, but why we do it, what's really important and how we can how we can be more of the scaffolding to hold the department together when it seems as though there's people that are trying to break through the ceiling. Mm -hmm. It's it, it, without getting too specific on stories. I will say that what I've learned through this is that through strength conditioning, we, you know, the profession has evolved but the profession is also one that continues to fight for respect. And we are constantly pre COVID. You can think of all the things that have popped up on social media, as far as hot topics, whether it trained to failure, uh, people walking on plates while they're doing, you know, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Wall sits you know, just how we train and, and, you know, should we be doing curls on the sidelines? And, but what I've learned is that strength conditioning is typically put through the ringer and that one thing that we're good at and we may not realize we're good at is staying calm and negotiating with coaches who may not see the long-term goal, but we do, and they see the short-term short goal, is that, you know, while all this is going on, the one thing that strength conditioning has always been is the, the largest advocate for student athletes and the athletes in professional ranks. And they've always had to go into the coach's office and fight for what they believe is right. And it's typically the correct type of training, the correct environment, the right dose, so regardless of all this other stuff that strength conditioning gets pulled down for, strength coaches in general are master negotiators and have to know when to speak and when not to speak. And so you become very good at what I would call just like departmental politics uh, to survive the game. And I think that is what helps us during COVID at large, you know, when I talk to my friends in the field is that we all share the same stories in that every day is new. Um, it, what we thought was the plan yesterday is no longer the plan. And then we have to find a new plan, all while trying to keep everybody happy and everybody understanding that, that it's not necessarily chicken little, that the sky is not falling that we just need to continue to work through this process together and to be patient. And so I feel like the, the skills I've learned through the years of strength and conditioning and performance in general have equipped me to be able to, to stay calm through this process, which I think other professions would, you know, just hang it up. I feel like we as strength and conditioning coaches have been fighting this fight behind the scenes forever. It's just been a different battle other than COVID. And so, again, we're always going to be the advocate for the athletes and, you know, trying to figure out if we're not getting hard and firm guidelines as far as accountable hours from the NCAA, you know, what is right? Like how many, how many hours should men's soccer be on the field right now if they don't have a season? How many miles should cross-country run if they don't have a season? Like how do you maintain fitness? How do you bridge that gap between being at home to a – potential spring season 
How do you get ready for a delayed NCAA basketball season? Like, that's what we do anyway. And so, again, fighting these battles and putting little fires out, it, I think it speaks to the fact that our profession has conditioned us to be great negotiators and great thinkers, staying calm. And I think that's why a lot of us are being put in leadership positions or just kind of stepping up to the plate now because no one else has been in this situation day in and day out like strength coaches have. To be honest with you. No, nah, man, I think that, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, that's just the truth behind it. And that's just, it just is what it is, you know, like, and it, unfortunately, or fortunately, like, someone's got to make those statements and be in those meetings and kind of be the reality check for some people at times. And I guess it just kind of is what it is in that sense. Yeah. Well, listen, Doc, before we get going too far, I mean, you did drop a couple right there, but I mean, a guy who's been a track coach from back to Tennessee and has been coaching the best in the world at what they do, it's I'm sure that there's been a few of these for you, but if you wouldn't mind, describe a learning situation that brought about epiphany in your career. I hate to sound like a negative Nancy, but if we're going to talk about the biggest epiphany for me, um, you know, I tell this story all the time. Uh, you know, I, I like other coaches when I was young, you know, it's all about ego. Um, I have no remorse in saying that, you know, early on I wanted to, you know, my, my goal was to be the best coach in the world. Like I wanted to have a medal count no one could catch. And that's all I cared about. You know, I just saw everything as numbers and, uh, it fits my mentality anyway. I'm kind of a collector, uh, obsessive compulsive. I mean, you know, I've got 300 pairs of Nike shoes that I never wear. Like I, you know, this just the way my brain's wired. I'm a obsessive compulsive. And so this idea was that, you know, I want to have more medals and more champions and more this and that than everybody. And that's all I cared about. And then Steve Holcomb died and that reminded me, why in the hell am I doing this? Like I had always had a good, you know, I would almost say a parental approach to the athletes I coach and have good relationships with them. Like, you know, I've taken them to church, you know, I'll pay to get their car fixed if I had to do it. You know, like I, I'll do whatever I need to do that they're my family. But losing an athlete, especially one that, you know, he was like a little brother to me more than an athlete, that rocked my world. And I, and I have not, you know, I happily and thankfully have not been the same since, meaning I don't care about medals anymore. I don't get on social media and try to get the validation from likes and retweets because I understand there's way more to life than that shit. Um, and I feel sorry for people that still get on there and try to do that. Um, and it, it just reminded me that life is way too short and, and too fragile to care about things like a, a, a sports victory. And so now I care about helping people. And, and I remind myself every day that we're all going to be forgotten. No matter how many ebooks we put out, no how many articles we write, videos that we do, we're going to be forgotten at some point. So we need to do something that we won't forget. And so I, I try to spend my time investing in other people, being a good mentor, uh, 
you know, being a good servant leader to others and just being a hell of a dad. And, and so for me, I think the, the monumental change in my career was, was losing Steve Holcomb. And, and I, I, there's not a day that goes by, I don't think of him. And it was a firm reminder for me of, it was a reality check, a big reality check. And I, and again, my approach to the craft and, and to the profession hasn't been the same. And, and I think that was for the right. It, you know, it, it, I learned, I woke up really quickly on that one. And I, and I don't want other coaches to have that same mindset where they're 65 or 70 and they're like, man, I spent way too many hours in the office. I chased way too many followers. I tried to do this and that, you know, what did it get me? And it didn't get you anything, you know, because really all you got your family and your name. And so for me, I try to, I try to tell that story to people and, and especially the athletes I coach or the young coaches that are my assistants or that I mentor, you know, make sure you remember what's first in your life and, and don't chase this other stuff that your ego and pride tell you is more important when it's, when it, when it's not. A huge lesson that you really hope other people don't have to learn the hard way. Yeah, no doubt. Oh man. Well, you know, doc, to kind of flip the page here a little bit, you don't change your first name. If you're not an inquisitive guy, you don't change your first name from Brad to doctor without being a guy that likes to ask questions and dig and do those things. So if Brad DeWeese could ask one question and he knows he's going to get the answer to it. What's that question going to be and why? Oh, This is tough. And I, it's, you know, maybe it's my middle age. I'll pull a Sturgill Simpson and I'll ask, is it really turtles all the way down? Like what, what is it that unifies our existence? What is it out there? Like what, you know, like, as someone who's religious, you know, what is that? You know, what, I want to know what's behind the curtain of the Wizard of Oz. And I think that's what I would ask is, is it turtles? Is it an elephant? What are we standing on? And, and what's his or her name? And what were they smoking when they created this? And yeah, do they have any more? Yeah. At this point. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, listen, man. I mean, I, I don't think that, like, you can get any deeper than that. But, and I, to be honest, I think that that's been a question that really hasn't been asked as much as I would guess. And I think that that is one that most people really at the heart of it and knowing the answer to that question would probably answer most of the other ones. It's like, what, what really is it? What are we really here for? And what, what brings us all together? Because the end of all of it, I mean, as coaches, that's what we're really trying to figure out anyway, isn't it? Yeah. And that's where, and I'm, I'm sure that everybody's tuning out by now because they're like, man, Brad's, I want to hear about squats and sprinting. Uh, but, you know, I think it goes back to the essence of coaching is, is relationships and, 
And I think that's, to me, we're all here. We don't know the answer. So we got to make the best of it. And, and to me, it goes back to that central tenet of love. I mean, you know, love's the number one. It's the uh, most cited word in the Bible. Uh, so to me, if there's anything that I'm going to do is I'm going to try to love, you know, my brother, my sister, my athletes, my family. And love has many forms. You know, sometimes love can be a swift kick in the tail. Uh, but it's it's coming out of the right place. And I think so if, until I get that answer about turtles, I think that's going to be my approach is just to try to, to demonstrate love in its many forms to as many people as I possibly can. Because it's not about me at the end of the day. You know, it's about it's about the legacy is in the people that I can impact, not in my resume. That that shit doesn't matter. Not about it. But listen, man, as a guy who's got a lot on his plate, doing a lot of things, and, and you know, trying to make time for everybody at home, it's got to be a way for Dr. Deweese to come back to neutral. So, what's your escape, bud? Outdoors. Like, we, my fam, my, I've got four kids, and, and really, my four kids are, are the escape. Like, I love, I love experiencing life through their eyes. I like seeing them react to new things and, and come up with their own opinions about things. And it reshapes my lens. And so, you know, my wife and I have a, we have an 11 year old, a, a nine year old, a seven year old and a four, our last one's a four year old. He's a boy uh, with three older sisters and he's, he's outrageous. Uh, but, you know, what we've really tried to do is give them as many experiences as possible. And so right now, our current adventure is to go to all the national parks and all the national forests. So we're, we're knocking those out every chance we get. Uh, it's, a, it's a lofty goal. But, you know, the one thing I, I try to tell them is our country is beautiful and our country is going through a hard time right now. But if you can get beyond that, we live in a beautiful country that we take for granted. And so if you can, if you can start with the positives of this country and, and, and remember that, maybe we can get back to center. And so what I try to do is you know, we, we had a two week stint where we went up to South Dakota and Wyoming and, and Iowa. And, you know, so we, we did some travel through there, some hiking and, and through the national parks. And, you know, when we were uh, swinging back down, we went down to Alabama and we did the uh, civil rights monument in Birmingham. And there was, when we went, there was, we tried to do part of the walk. And when we went, there was a Black Lives Matter, uh, like a, a rally. And we stopped and for an hour, you know, my, my kids, we stood there and listened and, and talked. And it was one of those where it was, it was a very good opportunity that we had not planned, you know, trying to go to a national monument, but we ended up being able to have that experience and teach our kids something that I could never teach in this household. And it goes back to love, compassion, understanding other people's perspectives, understanding that 
sometimes we share the road, but we all have different hurdles that we must overcome on that journey. And that our job is to help remove those hurdles from other people's path. And that we need to acknowledge those hurdles are there. And, and so that's kind of my escape right now is I'm trying to do what I can do in my house to make sure that we raise good citizens that understand that this country is beautiful and that, that there are things that can unify us, but we first have to be able to see it and experience it. And, and that means getting out of our comfort zone at times. So that's kind of where I have a lot of joy in that. So that's my, you know, whenever I'm in a bad day at work, I'm, I go back and I'm looking at like, okay, in two weeks, I'm going to go up to, you know, Indiana dunes for the weekend and do the, the three dune hike, like, you know, and so, yeah, I think everybody needs an outlet, music, you know, hiking, whatever the case may be. But yeah, it's uh, right now mine is traveling this country with, with kids whenever we can fit in two or three days. That's awesome, man. I think that's super cool. And I think that, albeit a lofty goal, I think that that's pretty rad. And I don't think a lot of people would ever think to take advantage of something really as simple that is that it's in our backyard. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's some places that, you know, we were looking at our Royale in Michigan. I mean, it's right now you can't really take advantage of it unless you camp because it's a three hour ferry into Lake Superior. But, you know, that's one of those things where like, okay, it's hard. Cool. We're doing it. You know, so it, it's just, but it's sports too, you know, like sports is planning, sports is having a goal, sports is trying to figure out how do I get to A, B, C, D. And it, so to me, it's very logical, like it's a process. So it's fun that I get to use the talents coming from strength conditioning as far as planning backwards, you know, uh, and making a map on how to make this lofty goal, you know, tangible. So I'm telling you, man, like our profession creates critical thinkers, creates problem solvers, you know, adaptable negotiators, like tell you what, it's the best profession on the planet. They just need to pay us like it. No doubt. <laughs> Listen, doc bonus question. We can't get away without this. Rank the latest Nas album. I'm going to give it a, I feel like I'm El Presidente here. I'm going to give it an 8.6 because it starts off with just vintage Nas. I mean, it's two minute, like every song is succinct, but it's just vintage. It's, you know what you're getting. And that to me, why I think Nas is is still one of the best lyricists and hip hop artists of all time. He doesn't, he may change the dial on his formula and give you something new, but he's always genuine to who he is. And he knows, he knows that simplicity of his voice and his artistry and his delivery is what makes the impact. It's not, everything else that takes away from it. Like, I just feel like 
there's a little bit of nostalgia in it, but it's not nostalgia because it's just who he is. And I, and I really like it and appreciate it because I look at it like coaching. There's so many people who try to reinvent themselves and are not authentic to who they really are. And eventually they just expose themselves. Like they'll put out a bad program. They'll put out a bad tweet. They'll do something where everybody's like con artist. And, and I think he's never done that because he's never tried to, he's never tried to go exotic and crazy. He's just, every album is real. And I, and I, and I think that's the latest album is like that. Like I listened to it and I was like, holy shit. Like it just immediately off the bat. I was like, man, this guy love it. Love it. And it, he, he just knows the, the ingredients and he just, he's, he's got it. And so, yeah, I would give it an 8.6. Right. Only one bite. All right. No, I can, I can dig that. I'd say it's his third best. I mean, obviously, Lomatic, and then Life is Good, and then I think that. But I thought it was, I thought it was solid. Yeah. I mean, it's a – he always comes through. Yeah, man. No doubt about it. Doc, always great to see you, man. Glad to see you're doing well, brother. Appreciate your time. We'll be in touch real soon, buddy. Thank you. Love you. Yeah, man. Cheers.